1: Brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, please tell me
1: that you are rooting against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl today you know i am Ben. just for you yes 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 i was really nervous that you were gonna ask me which two teams were playing in the super bowl so i'm glad you didn't you've got to know the patriots right i did know the patriots yeah do you know the other team i do not they are playing the la rams the rams Ooh, gatebreaker rams yeah gotta root for the rams yes we definitely are because we're rooting against, against brady go gatebreaker rams go gatebreaker rams ben how are you doing
0: i'm doing great absolutely great Had a busy weekend judging solo and ensemble and then got
1: promptly back to crushing this format. Yeah, I feel like every week you're like, well, I'm done with band stuff for a few weeks. And then, oh, wait, but I do have my whole weekend booked. (laughs) That happens frequently, but (laughs) uh, it will be happening less and less. And
0: I most more importantly, like I'll be helping students a little bit less late into the evenings,
1: which makes it a lot easier to stream Monday through Friday. Excellent. Yeah. I want to pass that baton off to you during the week. Uh, So speaking of crushing the format, how are we doing on the trophy leaderboard? I'm now 33
0: drafts deep. I have a 71 and 26 record with 11 trophies for a 73%
1: win rate. Golly, that is good. Uh, I have twice as many drafts, but not twice as many trophies. So 66 drafts, 124 to 68, 15 trophies, dipped a little bit to a 65% win rate. I feel like I went off the deep end a little bit with... uh, going like four colors. I still cannot avoid Dovin's Acuity decks to help my life, Um, but I I feel like I've I've stabilized a little bit. Um, I also dipped my toe into some Arena Best of One this weekend. Which it looks like you've been crushing. Yeah, I have five drafts, uh, 31 and seven win-loss, three like quote-unquote trophies, and an 82% win rate. So you're just sliding right back up to Mythic, easy peasy. Yeah, well, I also started at like platinum because i was mythic already so i guess you probably did too i have not been on arena to find out (laughs) yeah but i just i I noticed that today i was like oh wait oh i already started at uh platinum because then i just got up to diamond i was like oh wait where's gold in this no it's already i already passed that so yeah anyway um that's sort of a bummer because i kind of like that achievement of like getting to mythic but it feels like i'll get there quicker if i start like three tiers up or whatever yeah um so we're gonna sort of continue The conversations that we were having last week, like not really diving into archetypes specifically, we're gonna talk about. I feel like you've set me up with this title, Ben, to gate or not to gate? (laughs) That is the question. It is the question. It is the question. So we're gonna be talking about navigating the drafts and like where gates fit into that, because I feel like that's been a lot of the questions we've been receiving through Discord and through our streams. And speaking of Discord, got to talk about the lords of limited patreon ben patreon.com slash lords of limited where you can give back to the show if you so choose and the thing that you get for giving back to the show is access to that sweet sweet discord which is just on fire just so so active i gotta say it's a little overwhelming when i go to bed and i've like read all the comments and then i wake up and there's just like 50 in like three different channels I'm like oh man people are just super super active we're getting a lot of data from our trophy hype channel which we're going to be excited to share i think in in maybe a week once we get like a a bit more data for what's been trophying as the format sort of settles out i'm going to be excited to share that so thank you to the folks in our discord who are getting that information together. There's a lot more goodies that you can get for higher tier donations. So head on over to patreon.com slash Lords of Limited to get all that good info. And we, of course, want to welcome each and every new patron the week that they join. So we want to welcome this week, Patrick, Michael, Nathan, Alex, Kevin, Dellen, Will, James, and Peter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yep. Cannot say thank you enough. And just thank you to everyone in
0: Discord. Like when I travel for band, you know, as we were talking about the beginning of the show, the Discord just going on there when I'm stuck in a hotel room and don't have time to play Magic or whatever, it's a great way to keep in touch with what's going on in the format.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I did want to, before we get into the bulk of the discussion today, just want to touch on my experience with Arena Best of One. You know, they did do an update update. This week. So obviously, we all were talking about just being able to jam the gate deck, the bots undervaluing gates on Arena. And I think that update did fix some of that. You know, I'm not seeing gates on the wheel, as I think people were seeing before. But I want to sort of talk about what I am seeing, uh, in terms of what is successful, both in my drafts and then the decks that I'm seeing on the opposite side of the battlefield. I think soft-forcing Orzov is a pretty good way to go now. The bots seem to criminally undervalue final payment and grasping Thrall. They seem to be going pretty late. I was watching Ryan stream. He also uh, experienced that as well. Not always, it's not every draft, but it does seem to come up uh, in a good number of drafts, you can get a pretty busted Orzhov deck.
0: Yeah, we just recently separated out the MTGO and Arena trophies uh, in the Discord. We had one trophy hype channel for all of the trophies, and now there's separate Arena and MTGO ones. And if you look in the Arena one, there's just lots of very recent Orzhov trophies. Yeah.
1: The other deck that I've been having success with is Red Green Aggro. I think the bots are undervaluing. Soraform Hybrid in particular seems to be going very late. And that is, I think, a better Simic card than it is And uh, gruel card, but it's still just the best green two drop you can get. And being able to get it late is pretty sweet. Yeah. Soraform hybrid has skyrocketed in my pick orders. That card I is so, good. so glad to hear that. Uh, and the last point is, cause I feel like, you know, we're talking a lot about, and we'll get into this as we move through the meat of the episode. We're talking a lot about like strong build around cards in the format. I think you and I are both very high on Dovin's acuity. Uh, we got a lot of positive feedback about people being happy about us talking about that deck last week and a lot of people being able to draft that deck and getting success with it. And they wouldn't have had that Have we not outlined it? I don't know if those are the best strategies on Arena because I don't trust that the bots will let you reliably wheel the things that you need to wheel. A lot of these kinds of decks, when you build around a card like Dovin Security or even a card like High Alert, you're getting to maximize the number of draft picks you get. You know, you're able to say, well, I'll, I'll take this gate early because this is a pick that maybe everybody wants. And then I get to wheel this Senate Courier or this Pegasus Courser because no one else should really want that except the High Alert deck. Or you get a late clear the mind in your Dovin's Security deck because no one else should want that. I don't trust that the bots are valuing cards in that way. And so I think you can often set yourself up for failure with drafting around those kind of powerful build rounds. And I would much more prioritize just building a good straightforward deck. Yeah, that makes tons of sense to me. So we also wanted to revisit a couple archetypes here, but uh, I sort of feel like we led people astray maybe with my assessment of Gruul last week. This is not about four drops as much as I thought, Ben. Um, so I posted a deck to Twitter this past week that had four frenzied erinxes in it. And I was like, I two owned with the deck and I was like, well, there's no hope for Gruul. This deck is terrible. And a lot of people posted and they were like, you don't have any Savage Smashes in this deck. This deck is not about four drops. This deck is about playing two drops and backing it up with Savage Smash. And then I drafted Gruel a few times. I still haven't trophied with it, but mostly on my own fault. But I completely agree. Savage Smash has now jumped Frenzy Dariants by a significant margin. And I think that is really the card that is the key to the Gruel deck. You just like back up your two drops with that, like being able to go two drop, three drop, fight. And then push through for a bunch of damage. That definitely seems to be the successful strategy for straightforward red green decks.
0: Well, and Savage Smash gets a lot better as you're aggressive, right? Because if you're curving out and putting pressure on your opponent, they're going to have to tap out to block or to answer your threats
1: or whatever. And then the way is clear to Savage Smash while they're tapped out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes sense now that I see it, but I just didn't realize that. I just thought that the the way to do it, because what I felt like I was experiencing on the flip side, like when my opponent was playing Gruel, was that they were going just like four-four, five, 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 hasty four, four, whatever. And that felt really tough to deal with. But I think this is the more consistent way to just smash your opponents with red-green.
0: I've been solidly sticking with the no gruel strategy and it's been working out pretty well for me.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think it's just hard. Like, I don't know. I've had drafts where it just feels like the I'm being smacked in the face with this deck. It doesn't feel responsible to avoid it.
0: No, right. I've drafted it a couple times. Usually I, I'm splashing black for some pretty powerful cards, but I've been I've been base cruel a couple times. Mm-hmm. times.
1: Uh, I trophied with a uh, what I've been calling Orzhov Unplayables deck this week that played Prowling Caracol into Hazda Officer into your boy Civic Stalwart. This deck actually had some legs like this is a really weird draft that I had where I didn't feel like any I felt like. Orzov was open, but none of the good Orzov cards were there. And I got like three Civic Stalwarts at the end of pack one, and I sort of figured, all right, let's try this. Let's save this deck can work if you can draft an aggro deck. And this was right at the cusp of the meta feeling like it was shifting. And can we just pause and talk about how crazy it is, how much the format feels like it has moved around in just a couple weeks?
0: Yeah, I have drafted the format totally differently the last five days than I did even the first couple days this week before I wrote the show notes.
1: Yeah, I think the aggro decks are pretty well positioned at this point as people like start to shift into doing dirtlier things with gates. And I think this Orzov aggro deck does actually have some good reach, um, being able to talk out your like two drop three drop four drop curve with some grasping thralls as some like good flying and good just gain and drain um actually can work i mean they're you're playing a lot of cards that i for sure would think are terrible but they sort of came together and were greater than the sum of their parts
0: yeah but they're just better orzov cards you could play right and have a similar effect like you'd rather go Imperial Oligarch into, I don't know, Ministrant of Obligations into gotten Inheritance or something into Grasping throw and you just have a way
1: better aggressive deck? I don't know if that's a better aggressive deck. No, but that's a better deck. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> but it's not a better aggressive deck, I don't think. I also had the chance, and this was again, thanks to uh, someone on Twitter who commented about our explanation of the Dovin's Acuity deck and they were like, you should try Wilderness Reclamation in this deck. And I did. And it was absurd. I would be using like 13 mana to like play Acuity get it back with a spell replay it and then i untap all my lands and i get to protect my board with my counter spells felt really really strong
0: yeah i have a i have a question for you i know you like verity circle a lot that's the enchantment you pay five mana to tap a
1: creature without flying uh-huh have, have you done verity circle wilderness reclamation yet i haven't but i am just tingling thinking about the opportunity
0: <laughs> my opponent did it to me and it was very real i almost did not win that game because it was such a strong lock that's savage. How
1: did you win that game, Iggy? Uh, I don't remember. My deck was busted. <laughs> I've a nice. lot of them. <laughs> yeah. You got a point here about Dobin's Acuity that I think is interesting. Yeah, I've seen a lot of bad,
0: quote unquote, Dovin's Acuity decks, like posted in Discord or posted in chat. Like, hey, what do you think of this? And I'll see like a Dovin's Acuity and like six instance, which is sort of like the number we laid out in the last show. But like some of those instances are like... Justice Year's Portal, or like Prying Eyes,
1: the four blue blue draw four.
0: Yeah, or like Thought Collapse, like which you're not really probably going to be able to cast on your main phase. Yeah, and it just looks like people are excited about Dobin's Acuity because we said it's this awesome card, but it's really only an awesome card if you get like the ideal Dobin's Acuity deck, which is like two Clear the minds and several Sphinxes Insight and like really is this true like white blue control deck with very few win conditions. You need summary judgments. You need Arrester's Admonitions. You need the good instance and you need a critical mass of them to really be able to do the true Dovin's Acuity deck. And I think there's also a deck where you just like run a Dovin's Acuity and you run like four to five good instants, and Dovin's Acuity is probably still a fine card in your deck. But I don't think Dovin's Acuity is a reason to put subpar instants in your deck or like exposed to daylight. If you weren't already planning on main decking that card, I don't think you're necessarily supposed to main deck it just because you've got Dovin's
1: Acuity. So just watch out for that and don't overboard the hype train. Right. It's a very high upside pick. And if you can get it early, it's fun to build around. But you also need to be very ready to jump shift if the pieces aren't coming together. Uh, I also just wanted to lastly put on here that Ilgotten Inheritance is still a messed up magic card.
0: Yeah, it really is. And it's at its best, I think, in an aggressive deck, which was not necessarily immediately apparent to me. Like, I kind of liked doing this Torment of Scarabs, play it in a control shell as my win condition kind of Mm -hmm. thing. But I think it's best if you're Rakdos or Orzop and just curving out, and then all of a sudden it's also pressuring your opponent's life total, but from a totally different angle. So it's really hard for them to stabilize against both lines of attack.
1: Yeah, definitely best. I, I really like it in conjunction with the Spear Spewer in Rakdos decks. Ooh, yeah. It's nice. It's also just like, the. I feel like it is best Interactos deck because it's a free way to enable spectacle. But yeah, you can also get it in a nice assertive Orzhov deck as well. All right, so that's just sort of the rundown of what we have been experiencing this week in terms of specifics to decks, like some reevaluations of some cards or some things we've been seeing in Discord and on Twitter. And now I think we're going to move into the meat of the episode talking about how gates fit into your drafting process. I think this is a really tough thing for folks to get a handle on. And I think it's especially tough for us as uh podcast hosts to try and put a like number on it or put a fine point on it about like where we're taking them because There are so many other factors to take into consideration when you're thinking about taking a gate versus taking a card that might make your main deck, which is why this format is so, so, so good. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, So Ben, you've got a lot of thoughts here. Where do you want to start? I think we should just start with the gate power rankings. So I've got these sort of ranked from one through six. Number one,
0: I've got Azorius, two Orzov, and I think those are a clear one and two ahead of the rest, mostly because the Esper decks are so strong in the format, and then three Simic four
1: Rakdos, five Gruul, and six Gateway Plaza. So I have one question about this, and I think I agree with everything except for that I would swap Gruul and Rakdos because I feel like Rakdos is a deck that wants to splash less. I mean, I guess Gruul is two, but Gruul has the benefit of it has two gate payoffs. It has the two best gate payoff cards.
0: Right, and it's got open the gates. All right, I'm in for that. Gruul number four, Rakdos number five. Cool.
1: And can you talk a bit about why you're so down on Gateway Plaza?
0: Yeah, I think, first of all, I think you only want one. And I think you probably only want one in like a four or five color gate deck. Maybe two, but whatever. They're not a high priority because you've probably got so many gates that you're probably going to be able to cast your spells anyway. And a gate that enters the battlefield tapped already has you playing off curve, right? On turn three, when you play your land drop, you're still only able to play a two drop if it was a tapped land. Gateway Plaza makes you play two turns off of your actual curve so if on turn four you want to play a gateway plaza you've got to tap one of your other lands to play it and the gateway plaza enters the battlefield tapped. So then you're still only able to play a two drop on turn four which i think is a real cost when a lot of your lands already are entering the battlefield tapped and sometimes you just get so far behind because you're a mana base against an aggressive gruel or opponent that
1: you just can't turn the corner yeah i agree i think gateway plaza the first one at least goes up for me once i have opened the gates because i feel like that gives me that one two feels like it's not the slow lowest thing you know the gates decks are doing but yeah you don't need more than that i agree with that completely
0: and then just sort of we're gonna i'd be asking a lot of questions about like which cards do you take over gates or when you have these other cards in your pile what do you do do you take a gate or do you take a common so i just sort of initially made a list of the commons that i generally take over gates early in the pack um so grotesque Dumise, Chillbringer, final payment blade juggler Ill-gotten Inheritance, Law Mages Binding, and I just recently added soraform Hybrid to this list. That card has skyrocketed in my pick order over the course of this week. And this is like initially I had written in the show notes. I think this is pretty interesting. Like just literally four or five days ago, I wrote that I prefer taking gates over all those cards in pack one and then start to take those cards over gates later in pack two or three when I already have an appropriate amount of gates. But I think right in the middle of this week, like there was sort of this shift where like people realized, OK, I'm not supposed to pass Gate Breaker I'm not supposed to pass Gates Ablaze. I'm not supposed to pass Archway Angel. And I think once that happened, these cards start to go up in value over the gates. And I'm I'm still probably taking these cards early over gates now. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: And I think it's important here for us to outline uh, for folks who maybe haven't heard us say this before, but I think it's important to outline why gates are such powerful cards and there's a a number of reasons in this format one is that they make your mana base better in a two color deck so just a couple tapped blue green lands in your blue green deck is just going to make your mana base better especially with a lot of like two drops that are you know cd cards they're like simic colors or whatever and then you've also got the ccdd cards at your four drop slot i think all of that is incentives to have your mana be better because there's so many gold cards two It enables splashes, so once your your mana base is better, you can then be dipping into a third color for removal or a powerful build around or some bomb. And three, most importantly in this format, I think, is it enables gate payoffs, which are some of the most powerful uncommons you can have in this set.
0: Yeah, someone, when I was streaming last night, posted in Twitch chat that they didn't want to be forced after taking a gate payoff card to have the negative EV picks of taking gates. Gates are plus EV. You might be passing up on short-term card quality, but the options that it opens
1: up for you and the flexibility that it opens up for you should overall increase the quality of your card pool. And aside from, you know, the handful of commons that Ben just listed, and, you know, I'm sure that maybe there are a couple other commons, like maybe, maybe Skewer the Critic should be on that list. I'm not sure. But aside from that handful of commons, you know, when you think about cards that are even like, Maybe even C plus commons like Skitter Eel or Syndicate Messenger. Those are still cards that like are replaceable. You know, if you're supposed to be in Simic, you'll get a Skitter Eel. If you're supposed to be in Orzhov, you'll get a Syndicate Messenger or you'll get a Carrion Imp or a similar kind of effect. A, a Senate Messenger or whatever that the 3-2 uh, flyer with Scry 1 is. All of those things are going to be replaced if you find the correct lane and the gates help you navigate to that correct lane a lot better i think right the gates are just c
0: pluses and you should definitely take them over cards that are c quality yes and then like once you have x number of gate payoffs maybe it's three maybe it's four sometimes the gates shipped up
1: to b minus level quality right but sometimes you're just like well i i'm now going into pack three and i have to just take gates over everything because that's what's going to enable my deck right i think it's also interesting as you navigate the drafts like if you are on this sort of like, you know, I take a Gates blaze first and then you're just taking like gate, gate. If if in pick four, you're not seeing a gate, pick five, you're not seeing a gate. You know, someone is clearly signaling you to your right that they are moving in on this deck. I think there's another thing to be tracking in this format, not only like what colors are open, but are the gates open? Yes. And
0: I think sometimes you can tell what colors are open by gates wheeling. Like, you know, three gruel Gates wheel out
1: of pack one people
0: probably aren't interested in drafting Gruel.
1: like it, that also feels like no gates of blaze or gatebreaker ramps were open to that pack right yeah there's a lot to infer from if gates are wheeling or if gates are not Uh, flowing your way
0: i think the next thing we sort of want to move into is this idea of either drafting for power level like via gates and via splashing or drafting for aggression in the format and i think you really want to try to find what your seat wants to be doing and you want to be trying to do one of those things like either you want to have the highest power level cards possible in a control shell in this format or you want to draft a focus aggressive deck
1: and i think the Three best aggressive decks in the format are, top of the list, Rakdos. I think, you know, Rakdos can be a value deck, or a late game deck with, you know, ill gotten inheritances and blade jugglers. But I think at its core, at, at its best, at its scariest, it's going like spear spewer into plague white or trumpeter into blade juggler into ill gotten inheritance. You know, I think that's the sort of dream that Rakdos has to offer.
0: Yeah, I played my first dedicated Rakdos aggro deck last night, and it was so hard to play. I had so many tough decisions on turn two, turn three, turn four. Like everything we've said about aggressive decks, having the decisions compounded into the front was so, so, so true. And I think part that is that the aggressive decks just aren't like they don't have easy free tools to win like gust walker or something you really have to work for your wins and you have to
1: sequence your plays right right for sure and I think behind those are Simic and Gruel, which when built as dedicated aggro decks can also get the job done and, and certainly punish these decks that are just trying to set up their mana and play lockets and get to the late game.
0: I have been loving playing Simic Tempo. Arrester's Admonition is so busted in that deck. If you're playing against somebody that's trying to Dirtle and taps out for their five or six drop and you get to bounce it for three mana, draw a card and hit them for five damage, the game's
1: just over. Yeah, I mean, that again, I just really love that Adapt is just built-in flood insurance for what is pretty aggressive. And you've got the two best tools at common in Soraform Hybrid and Aramunculus. Just like that 2-3 punch is so good. Yep. The other thing we've
0: been talking a lot about this week is that there are a lot of cards in this set whose power level fluctuates really wildly based on the other cards you've already picked, whether it's gate payoffs or just commons that only go in certain decks. Like all of the cards in this format really feel like they've got a home And you really need to try to draft to maximize the potential
1: of the cards that you see. Yeah, it's so hard to think about, like, I feel like someone tweeted at us. I don't remember, you know, us and Ryan and Dustin about, like, is someone going to make a pick order for this format? I feel like for this format, especially, it's not as useful as it might be otherwise. You know, I think it was kind of interesting for Dominaria or even Guilds of Ravnica. But here, once you have certain kinds of cards, and I think, you know, your rares and your uncommons that you're going to be first picking are going to be... More often than not, these sort of deck warping cards or draft warping cards where you go, well, I have this. How do I maximize this great thing? How do I maximize Gates of Blaze or High Alert or Guardian Project or whatever? And then the pick orders sort of like go out the window. Yeah,
0: you'd almost have to make like a, a best case scenario mentality pick order list, like looking at the range of cards and ranking the cards according to like the top end of their range, the ceiling right. or
1: whatever. Yeah, right. That'd be so hard though. Yeah. So what are some cards that maybe drastically change for you based on what you have? I think like Slimebind is one that comes to
0: mind at the common level. It's next to unplayable in a Simic deck where you're looking to attack on the ground a lot. And it really is, you know, we joked about it in the Crash Course, but it really is borderline Doomblade in Azorius Control or Azorius Flyers especially. So... You know, I I was drafting last night and I was drafting an Azorius deck and I kept passing Law Mages Binding for Gates because I was in Esper. But if you're in an Esper Control deck or an Esper Flyers deck, Slime Bind is almost just as good as Law Mages Binding, which is just super powerful to not have to spend a pick on a premium card like Law Mages Binding and to get to wheel a Slime Bind
1: potentially, you know, like pick nine, pick 10, pick 11. We also... The gates give you access to the Esper removal so then you're also like in the market for a final payment or a grotesque demise or a mortify if you're so lucky.
0: Right. Blade juggler is another one that comes to mind. You know, it's a great card and you're going to play it in every deck where you've got it, but it's a solid B, I think in a deck that has a good curve underneath it that's reliably going to be able to curve into blade juggler and i think it sort of falls to a c plus type card without a lot of good one and two drops or ways to reliably turn on spectacle
1: right i think early in a draft i'm treating it as a b but if i find myself in pack three facing a choice between like blade juggler and something else that is like slightly worse like maybe an imperious oligarch let's say if I've only got like two or three two drops at that point, I got to take the oligarch. I can't load up on these these fives and blade juggler.
0: Where are you at on the blade juggler versus grotesquemized debate? I'm on blade juggler number one black common. It's so close for me. I still don't know the right answer. I've been taking blade juggler over it more recently. I think just because black decks have access to a lot of removal, but it's so close. There's just a
1: lot of removal in this format. It feels like. But grotesquemize is so good. The Exile is so relevant on grotesquemize. The Exile is so relevant, and it hits so much more than like... I feel like it's easy to compare it to something like Skewer the Critics, but it, this is such a big toughness format. It kills Azorius Arbiter. It kills yep. Giant Spider. It kills so many good things. kills the Croc. Like, it, it kills a lot. It trades up on mana so much more than something like Skewer can. So I think it's very close, but I'm on Blade Juggler. Blade Juggler just is so often, especially in Rakdos decks, it's the card I want the most of. Mm-hmm. You know, I want Blade Juggler over Grotestamize and Rakdos decks because the three twos are such formidable bodies in this format. Right, right.
0: I think ill Inheritance is another one that comes to mind. It's either a very good card in a dedicated aggro deck and maybe like a really good control deck or like sometimes a card. You know, I just don't think the deck wants that effect and I don't end up playing it, which is just shocking for like how good it is at its best.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Plague White is another one that's recently been coming up a lot. I've been watching Martin use a stream quite a bit and he keeps calling Plague White 2-1 unblockable, which it's <laughs> it sort of is like in an aggro deck. It's so hard to block because all of the good three toughness things are like premium 3-3 flyers or things like that that you don't really want to block Plague White with. And it, it more importantly, it attacks through Imperious Oligarch, which is really important. And I think, you know, you really want that card in an aggressive deck. And you really don't want to play that card in any other type of deck.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I think the best example of this idea of drafting for power level or drafting for aggression or drafting to try to maximize your cards are the gate payoff cards. They're some of the best cards in the set, assuming you get six plus gates. But if you only have three, four or five gates, like they're not necessarily the most busted cards. They've got like this huge ceiling and like sometimes you're not going to play them. You're not going to play a Gatebreaker Ram with only three gates in your deck. But if you have 10 gates in your deck, Gatebreaker Ram is probably one of the best cards in your pool.
1: There's another thing that I think keeps coming up, especially after like, you know, we talked about the Gates deck last week. We were both very excited about it. It seemed pretty abusable on Arena. The Pro Points episode really outlined it very well. I think that sort of started to warp people making their good decks worse by adding three gates and a Gatebreaker Ram or adding a Gates Ablaze and some Gates in a dedicated Rakdos Aggro deck. I think, you know, these cards have high upsides, but when a two-color deck presents itself to you in the draft and the Gate deck doesn't really seem to be coming together, you really need to know which deck is going to come together better at the end of your 45 picks.
0: Yes, like exactly what we talked about with Dovin's Acuity. I've also seen that same thing happening with some of the Gate payoff cards.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a phrase that I've been using on stream this week that I think really applies to a lot of the cards that are exciting to take early in this draft, which is there are a lot of cards that have low floors, but very high ceilings. You know, think about a card like Dovin's Acuity can be anywhere from a total F in your deck to the best card in your deck. And I think I'm much more inclined to pick those cards early in a draft to try and maximize their power level rather than be like, well, I'm looking at Dovin's Acuity versus Chillbringer pack one, pick one. That's not very close for me. Like, Chillbringer is going to be the more consistent card, but Dovin's Acuity is going to lead to a more powerful deck if the tools are there. And if the tools are not there, then I will find whatever deck I am supposed to be drafting or whatever lane I'm supposed to be in.
0: Yeah, drafting to maximize potential, I think, is something that really gets rewarded in this set. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think, you know, if you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're drafting for aggression, cards like Savage Smash, Arrestor's Admonition, Soraform Hybrid, other good two drops, Plague White all go way up in value and sometimes you just curve out, keep your opponent a little bit off balance and that's a super legitimate strategy in this format. When you don't, not everyone gets to draft, you know, Gatebreaker Ram, Gatecolossus.deck. And if you're not getting past the gates or if you're not getting past the powerful Azorius Flyers, you need to know how to draft good Simic and Rakdos decks.
1: So as you navigate pack one, and I think that's the most important pack where you're figuring these things out, you're seeing what powerful cards are there. Are you then able to back those up with the commons that support those powerful rare and uncommon buildarounds? Are you seeing gates? Are you not seeing gates? All that stuff. I think you want to think about pack one broken up into three chunks Picks one through three, picks four through eight, and then picks nine plus with what's on the wheel. So picks one through three, I think it's really important to generally just draft cards in a vacuum. Just like take the most powerful card out of each of those packs. You know, sometimes you make concessions if there's things that are. Close in line, well, if you first picked an Azorius card and the Azorius card is the second best card in the next pack, but it's only slightly less good, then you probably just stay on track. And then picks four through eight is when you can really start to read signals. You can start to notice if gates are missing or if gates are present. You can start to see, like, are you getting past... Something 5th, that seems like it's a linchpin common to a deck. You know, I've started to really jump ship for Savage Smashes. If they're if I'm seeing them 6th or 7th, that seems like a pretty good signal that Gruul might be open. Blade Juggler is another card I've been starting to jump ship for. If I'm doing something dirtily and I see that midway through the pack, I'm excited to maybe move into a good Rakdos deck. And then it's really important to see what's on the wheel. What came back from your first pack? What didn't come back from your first pack? Again, are you seeing gate slate? Are you seeing the sorts of commons that you would see wheel for a kind of archetype? And maybe you don't have that build around yet, but you're seeing the commons for it. So maybe you'll be uh, more likely to move into that deck if that uncommon is opened by you or or one of your neighbors. All that stuff is really important to keep track of.
0: Yeah, last week we sort of poo-pooed the CCDD cards a little bit and said, you know, maybe you're picking those up later than you normally would. I've since shifted on that, like, this week as it feels like people are taking gates higher and people are taking the gate payoff cards higher if i see a fifth pick you know rakdos firewheeler or a fifth pick frilled mystic or whatever the card is i'm taking that card even if it's totally different than what's going on in my draft because just the option if you know say you take frilled mystic and you wheel a sauriform hybrid or you take a rakdos firewheeler and you wheel an ill-gotten inheritance or something and you just know, okay, nobody's doing this thing, great, I'm going to draft this guild. The two-color guild decks are very good right now, it feels like, especially as people are experimenting with gate payoffs and dirtily gate decks.
1: Yeah, even just this week, I jumped ship, I think, twice, three times, like pick five or six, like grabbed a Savage Smash or a Blade Juggler, and abandoned my first four picks, and found myself in a very good deck. I think people who perhaps don't get as many reps in as you and I do, are scared of doing that. I think it's very easy to go, well, I've got four Azorius cards here. I'm just I'm just Azorius now for the rest of the draft. And you are ignoring this opportunity of jumping ship for the potential open lane because when that lane is open and it smacks you in the face, you're gonna get a very powerful deck. And if it is isn't open, if it's a fluke, if the Frilled Mystic is there, but you are next to a Simic drafter, you're probably not missing out on much. You'll get those replaceable commons if you find the open lane. Right. And then like
0: thinking about the wheel, I've seen so many times the Aramunculus, the one green, blue, two, three flyer that's got adapt four uh, or adapt one for four mana, rather adapt four would be busted on that card. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that card wheels. And I think if that card's wheeling, people probably aren't drafting Simic at your table. Or I think it's also a really good idea to, if you screen, if you draft on magic online or whatever, if you screenshot your pack one, pick one and see what gold cards are there. And see if the gold cards are like you know playable common gold cards like Savage Smash or the Aramunculus or whatever Sphinx's Insight. And if that wheels and it was the only guild card of that color in your opening pack, that's a pretty strong signal that nobody's in
1: that guild. Right. Yeah. I mean that goes back to what we were talking about a lot uh, towards the end of Guilds of Ravnica which was like noticing maybe it's not like card quality. Like Sphinx's Insight is a a good card in a number of Azorius decks. It's not necessarily a high pick, I don't think. But, you know, again, if that is the only thing that wheels, if you're seeing like three medium blue cards pick 10, you know, it's not only about the card quality, but the card quantity. Yep. So... When are you committing to things or deciding to, you know, try out a certain lane?
0: Um, As far as the gates deck goes, I think I'm committing to some sort of a gates deck with any two early gate payoffs from Angel, Colossus, Ram, Gates Ablaze. It's not really counting Gateway Sneak. Um, And from that point on, I'm actively trying my hardest to pick up six plus gates. And I, I think Maybe now I would bump that number up to three gate payoffs, but probably not. The gate payoffs are so good. Two is probably enough to go for picking up six plus gates, but maybe trying to limit myself to like base two colors plus a splash rather than just like charging head on into four color gates, which is what I was doing a lot
1: (laughs) a week ago. I think your ranking of the gate payoffs last week was really good. I was a little hesitant to have Angel as number four. I think Angel is really important in a lot of situations but the, it's not a better reason to move into the deck. I think it is a significant tier below Gates of Blaze, Gatebreaker Ram, and the Colossus. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, for me, any of the rare and uncommon build-around enchantments, I mean, most of them, uh, really make me want to try and maximize their potential. I'm a big proponent of High Alert. I mean, we've talked about Dovin's Acuity enough, I think. I'm a big proponent of High Alert. I think that's a really strong way to build an Azorius deck or a Bant deck. And I'm very happy to take that over something like a Chillbringer or whatever, just to be like, can I maximize this card? in this draft? Can I grab a guardian project or a Verity circle and and make that make a deck that uh, exploits that card to its maximum potential? I think that's all much better than just being like, well, I'm gonna take a solid card in one color.
0: Yeah, I I would agree 100%. I think the highest upside picks are certainly the cards you're supposed to be taking early. Yeah, for me, if there aren't cards in a pack that lead me down the certain path of a deck like these enchantments or gate payoff cards or things like that, if there's not a card that's more powerful than a C plus, I'm taking the gate out of that pack, even if it's a total, you know, totally off color gate. You know, if I start Azorius card, Azorius card, pick threes a week pack, I'm slamming Rakdos gate there because just you, you don't know what's going to happen down the road and you're not going to miss any of the filler type commons.
1: I think that's a lot easier to wrap your head around when you just think of the gates as C pluses. Yes. I think it can be very easy to think, well, this card doesn't go with my first two picks. Well, it's you're taking a C plus in another color, but maybe even not in another color if you end up in a good gate deck. Right, right, right. I think as the meta has shifted even over the, just the past few days, I think Rakdos no-splash, Simic no-splash, and Gruul no-splash are at their best as tempo aggro decks, like using the ability to curve out and back up with tempo removal spells, whether that's you know, a Savage Smash or a Grotesque Demise or an Arrestor's Admonition. All of that is really solid, and it can really lead to just a good, consistent deck.
0: Yeah, my last... It feels like five to seven drafts have all been focused to color decks like that or just a very light splash where I've really been trying to find the guild. And frequently my drafts have started more recently, like with me starting in Azorius or Orzov and jumping ship, like hedging with some gruel cards or hedging with some Simic cards. And then jumping ship to draft a focus Simic deck or to draft a focus Gruul deck because people aren't doing that right now.
1: Yeah, you posted a really interesting draft log in Discord this week that I think had a lot of people's heads spinning where you were towing the line between Orzov and Simic basically all the way through pack two, it felt like. Um, It was a really interesting draft that I thought you navigated well and you ended up trophying with the deck, right? I did, yeah. Yeah. I think this format is really sweet because how much it rewards you finding the open lane and how many different open lanes there can be, I think, like depending on what cards you have to build around or what cards you're trying to maximize. But I think you need to be a I I I'm scared to like offer this advice because I feel like this may lead people to waffling a lot. But my experience of people at the moment is that they are committing too soon to things and not open to jumping ship, pick five, pick six for that possible hedge. And I think that's a thing that folks should be opening their mind to at least right now.
0: Yeah, I think certainly keeping the idea open, but you also can get punished super hard from waffling my two worst O2s were just I waffled like <laughs> the entire draft and ended up yeah. with an unplayable deck. Yeah, for sure.
1: So it doesn't know al- it doesn't always work out so sexily. That's why I'm like hesitant to give that advice. Because I think that can lead people down to like just never committing to something and I that's not what I'm advocating, but I feel like people are leaning more towards that side of the spectrum than they should be at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. So, we're talking about a lot of stuff in the abstract. Like we said, all of this is very dependent on the situations. So, what are we going to do? We're going to run through a handful of things that have come up for us in the past week from some drafts and rather than going through, you know, multiple picks per pack, we're just going to go to what we felt like were some decision points to sort of highlight what we're talking about here. So I'm going to lead us off here, Ben. Um, this first one, we're going to look at pick two from pack one after you grabbed an Azorius Skyguard out of the first pack. So you've got that uh, four white, blue, three, three flying first strike that gives all your opponent's creatures minus one, minus zero. And in pick two, you're looking at two pretty powerful uncommons. You've got Archway Angel versus the Lords of Limited preview card, Senate Guildmage.
0: Yeah, this is close. I think early in the format I might have taken Archway Angel, but right now, today, this is a pretty clear Senate Guild Mage for me for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's one of the best two drops in the format, in a format where there aren't great two drops. And two, I think Azorius is probably the best guild over Orzov now for me. That's mm-hmm. very close. They're like neck and neck. But Senate Guild Mage is a card I'm happy to splash for. And if I end up in straight Azorius, it's gonna be a great card in my deck, and I'm happy to end up in straight Azorius. I just think, and especially already having another six drop, like, but even if you swap out Azorius Skyguard for, I don't know, Dovin's Acuity, like, I'm still taking Senate Guildmage there, or High Alert, I'm still
1: taking Senate Guildmage. Yeah, I think so. This was like the first draft I had after I decided I was going to reel it in, where I had like a few multicolor messes. And I was like, I really should get back to like not doing this, like gate payoffs and forcing gates. And I think this pick highlights one for me that Archway Angel just isn't in the same tier as ram gates ablaze and colossus anymore for me and we already have a six drop as you said and also just senate guild mage is so strong
0: it really is all right i've got one here for you next pack one pick one you took a rixmati reveler that's the one red two two that when it etbs you get a rummage and if you spectacle it out for two red black you discard your hand and draw three cards pick two you pivot and take a mass manipulation somebody passed you that bomb wow And then pick three, you have a choice between the following cards. There's a Sorrowform Hybrid, one and a green for the 2-2, 4GG Adapt 4, and Simic Guildgate. I think those are the two best cards in the pack, and you're really trying to decide between those two.
1: This is really tough, actually. I think if you are going to be running Mass Manipulation, the gate is pretty important for basically just one reason, and that quad blue is tough to cast. So like, if you do end up in blue-white or blue-green, or you're you know, blue white splashing or whatever, that like the gates are going to help you make your mana base better so that you can have the at least ten blue sources, but ideally more for that card. But Sorform Hybrid is just great. I- I'm not sure what I-, I think I'm taking the gate here because it's a C plus and I really want to be able to play mass manipulation, but I could see Sorform Hybrid being the correct pick.
0: So I ended up taking Sorform Hybrid, and here's my reasoning. Let's see if this sways you at all. Okay. So when I have mass manipulation, I really want to be Simic no messing around or Azorius no messing around. And there are no good Azorius cards in this pack. You can't see the rest of the pack. I can't. There's no good Azorius cards in the pack. And I feel like if I pass Soraform hybrid here, that's sending a signal to my neighbor that Simic maybe is open. And I really don't want to send that signal as opposed to, you know, passing the Simic Guildgate gate is way less of a you should draft Simic-type signal.
1: I'm going to add another thing that's going to sway me towards Sorform Hybrid here, which is that Hybrid plus Rixmati Reveler are great twos in a gruel deck. Yes, also true. Okay, I'm, I'm in for Sorform Hybrid. You convinced me. All right. All right, we got another draft of mine here. So your first two picks, you grabbed a Chillbringer, number one, and a Gate Colossus, number two. And now pick three, you are presented with the choice between Azorius Guildgate or Summary Judgment as the best two cards.
0: Uh, this is interesting. I think this is a pretty clear after gate Colossus. I think this is Azorius guild gate for me,
1: not particularly close with summary judgment. Where are you at? Yeah, I agree. I wanted to put this on the list here because this was something that I feel like I learned from you watching my stream and, and helping me sort of navigate like how you're choosing to take gates and this idea of like, you're taking the gates early and then you can get these kinds of cards like summary judgment later to fill in the gaps. Makes a lot of sense to me. And especially when I have something like Gate Colossus, I feel like just trying to maximize Gate Colossus from the beginning rather than, you know, take what is a great removal spell. But still, if you're in the gate deck, you'll have access to removal spells, right? Yes. And I don't
0: think you particularly care whether it's Summary Judgment or Slime Bind or whatever once you're in Azorius. Yeah, I I think to an extent that's true for sure. Okay, now let me pose you a different question, because I think this is a super interesting thing about this format. Yeah. If your first pick instead of Chillbringer is Dovin's Acuity, if you go Dovin's Acuity into Gate Colossus, are you on Gilgate or Summary Judgment? I'm on Summary Judgment. I think so. But that just shows you like that this format is so
1: close and the decisions are so hard and they change so much based on what you've already drafted. So I think we should talk about why that's the case is because I think Dovin's acuity has a higher upside than the gate deck does. And summary judgment is such an important piece of that deck that I would rather try and build towards maximizing Dovin's acuity than towards maximizing gate colossus. Agreed. That was really interesting. Good substitution on the fly there.
0: Yeah. All right. So next one of my drafts, uh, Pack one pick one, you slam Biogenic Ooze. Must be nice. Must be nice. Pack one pick two, you slam Archway Angel. Feeling pretty great. Pack one pick three, Sky Tether is the pick. And moving on to pack one pick four, you've got a choice between the following cards as options. So you've got Green Mythic, Archway Angel, Sky Tether as white cards so far in your pile. There's Soraform Hybrid in the pack. One green, two two, six mana, adapt four. Chillbringer, four and a blue for the three three flyer. When it ETBs, tap a creature the opponent controls, it doesn't untap during its controller's untap step and Azorius Guildgate, the blue-white guildgate, and Biogenic Upgrade, for green green-green for the sorcery. Distribute three plus one plus one counters among one, two, or three target creatures, and then double
1: the counters on those creatures. This is pretty tough. I think I would narrow it down to Sauriform Hybrid versus the Guildgate. I like Biogenic Upgrade. I, I, I can't ever bring myself to pick it, especially over something like a gate when I've got a gate payoff, like Archway Angel, or... Versus taking a good two drop when I've already got like a great five drop bomb, so I think it's between those two. And I think, oh god, this is tough. I think I would take Soraform Hybrid today. Yeah, this
0: this pick actually changed for me. So I took Azorius Guildgate here. And I think today I'm taking Soraform Hybrid because I don't necessarily value the Archway Angel quite as highly as I used to. Yeah, I'm fine abandoning Sky Tether and I really, really, really want to play Biogenic Ooze and locking up Soraform Hybrid here makes it so much more likely that I get to be a base green deck that gets to play Ooze reliably.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gate does allow for some flexibility. It allows you to maybe go like Simic Splashing Archway Angel so you're more of a controlling Bant deck. But I, I like the idea of just being able to be either straight green, blue, or green, red with like a solid two drop and a fantastic five drop. Yep, I agree. All right. We got a doozy here. We're going all the way to pick five, Ben. So you start off with a gateway colossus. You go into Simic Guildgate, Orzhov Guildgate, Gateway Plaza. You randomly grab absorb. So we'll we'll move past grabbing a like difficult to cast cancel. So you got those five cards in your pile. And your choice in pick six is Gruel Beastmaster. That's the 3 and a green 2-2 two, two with Riot, and when it attacks, target attacking creature gets plus X plus O, where X is Gruul Beastmaster's power. It's Blade Juggler, that's the 4 in a black 3-2, ETB's You Lose a Life draw card, it has Spectacle for 2 and a black, and Gruul Guildgate.
0: So side note on Gruul Beastmaster, despite it having Gruul in the name, I think that's most at home in a Simic deck. I've had a lot of success recently with that as an aggressive four drop in my Simic deck because you have bounce also to clear out blockers that your opponent leaves
1: back. It's been very impressive. That's pretty good. I think that makes sense to me because in Gruul, you have Frenzied Aranx at four and Simic other than Shark to Crab doesn't really have good fours. Right. It's been impressive. It's done some work for me. All right. So... I'm narrowing it down pretty
0: rapidly to Gruul Guildgate or Blade Juggler. I think, you know, at the beginning of this week, I'd be on Gruul Guildgate and just jamming all the gates. Now I'm a little less prone to doing that without much thought. And I think Blade Juggler has gone up enough for me that I'm on Blade Juggler here just as a hedge. I don't think already having three gates, I don't think I'm going to miss Gruul Guildgate that much. And I think if an aggressive black deck is open, I'm really going to miss Blade Juggler.
1: Yeah, it took me enough times seeing Blade Juggler midway through pack one and then realizing too late that Rakdos was open that now I'm seeing Blade Juggler as that kind of big signal. Like it feels like a signal the way a CCDD card feels like a signal to me. Like where I'm like, this feels worth abandoning ship for and if i am not rewarded then fine i miss out on our gruel guild gate and if i am i'm gonna be very happy
0: well i think the other thing is blade juggler is also a fine five drop in your gate deck yeah that's fair too all right next one of mine pack one you grab tasa karlov out of a pack that's pretty stacked so she's the two white black two four rare and if any creature dying causes a triggered ability it triggers twice and creature tokens you control have vigilance and lifelink Pick two, you slam Gatebreaker Ram. And pack three, you have a choice between Simic Guildgate, Depose Deploy, that's the Azorius split card that can tap a creature draw a card, or make two Thopter tokens and gain life equal to the number of creatures you control, and Aramunculus, the one blue green two three flyer Simic card with
1: Adapt. So this feels like sort of like drafting ABCs a little bit to me. We've got like powerful Orzov card, powerful gate build around card, and then not really anything that lines up with either of those two, which is why I think... It's so important in these early picks of a draft to just think about the cards in a vacuum. And for me, if I was just seeing this pack, pack one, pick one, it's a pretty easy depose deploy for me. I like Aramunculus quite a bit, but depose deploy is just rock solid. And there's a slight chance that one, in a gate deck, you could just play this. And two, in an Orzov deck, you could just play this. Even if you just like grab like an Guildgate, guild gate, you can always play it as just like tap a creature draw a card in white. And then you have the option of maybe getting to Mize it off one of your guild gates.
0: Yeah, that was what I ultimately decided. I decided that if the gate deck was where I was supposed to be, I was going to pick up a critical number of gates for the Gatebreaker Ram and I didn't really need to force it. And I thought I could play Depose Deploy in either of the two decks and that my first two picks wanted to go in.
1: Yeah, it's tough, though. I mean, I think it's, it's sort of easy to go like, well, I've got there's a green gate and I've got a green gate payoff, but it feels a little early. And I, I think I think you and I are both pretty high on Depose Deploy these days. Yeah, I am was way wrong about that
0: card. It's just a rock solid B. Yeah, it's pretty strong. And then we go one pick deeper on this draft. So after picking Deposed Deploy, so now you've got Taysa, Gatebreaker Ram and Deposed Deploy. You see the following cards as options: there's Gateway Sneak, Blade Juggler,
1: and Orzov Guildgate. Dang. Also, grotesquemize. Yeah, the fact that grotesquemize is also here makes me want to take Blade Juggler. And what's your reasoning on that? So my reasoning is that there's a rare, an uncommon, and a common missing from the pack. And Blade Juggler is just one of the best commons. And I feel like there's an argument to like, well, someone might have taken Grotesque Demise over it, but we see it in the pack. So I feel like this means most, like, feels like there's a likely scenario where maybe even none of the three people to my right are in black. Maybe one of them is, like we don't know what the uncommon or rare was. It feels like Blade Juggler is enough of a strong card for me here that I'm interested in in sort of hedging there. And also like if we again, so if we end up in Orzov, it's great there. It's gonna be a good card. So I feel like I'm not really abandoning stuff by taking it, and I'm potentially opening up the opportunity for Black being where I'm supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I took Orzov Guildgate here. I still don't know what the right pick is looking at this today. Your argument
1: for Blade Juggler makes a lot of sense to me. It's hard. Like, I also feel kind of bad that gateway sneak isn't in the conversation, but it does feel behind. It just doesn't feel like the payoff for gates decks. It feels like it's just better as a, maybe it's an engine in a Simic aggro deck more so than it's like what you want in a gate payoff deck. Right. I would agree. But
0: I don't think everybody necessarily views it that way,
1: which also feels sort of bad passing it as a gate signal. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Like you don't consider it that, but you don't know how the people to your left are going to view it. Right. All right. Next up. We're going to go to pick four here. You start off the draft with a Depose Deploy. You move into a Gateway Colossus, and then you get a Law Mages Binding. So you get two good Azorius cards plus a Gate Payoff. And then your choice in pick four is between Azorius Knight Arbiter and Orzov Guildgate. So I think this is one where I just look at Azorius Knight
0: Arbiter as maybe a C plus, maybe probably a C, maybe a C plus once you've got High Alert. And Orzov Guildgate is just a C plus I think it's a better card than Azorius Knight Arbiter you already have the gate colossus that's going to incentivize you to want to take gates and Azorius frequently want to splash black cards and Orzov frequently wants to splash blue cards you don't know where you're going to end up but the flexibility that Orzov opens up here the guild gate is just so much higher than the power level of Azorius Knight Arbiter I, I don't even think
1: this is a particularly close pick I agree that it's not close, but I think it is very deceptive. I think it's very easy to say, well, I've got two great Azorius cards. Isn't Azorius Knight Arbiter just great? And I think all the things you talked about, about why Orzhov Guildgate is going to open up so many options for you down the line, and it's also maximizing your most powerful card that you've drafted already, right? Like, you want to maximize Gateway Colossus. You want to be able to play that in your deck. I think the last point about Azorius Knight Arbiter that I want to bring up is what we have been talking about, and I talk about on stream a lot, is that there's a lot of 5-drops. Like, is Night Arbiter better than Chillbringer? No, I think like unless you have High Alert, I think you just want Chillbringer all the time. So even though it's Azorius and it's a good common and you're happy to put it in your deck, you don't need to take it here. Right, and I
0: think you could replace Gateway Colossus with you know something like Impassioned Order, and I still want Orzov Guildgate here over Azorius Night Arbiter. Even if I go even if I go Azorius card, Azorius card, Azorius card, no gate payoffs, I definitely want Azorius Guildgate over a card like Azorius Night Arbiter. Right. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I'm loving these substitutions, buddy. <laughs> do what I can. I do what I can. Yeah. All right, moving on to my last one here. Pack one, pick one, you snap up Mortify. And pack one, pick two, you've got a tough choice. This pack is stacked. There's Soriform Hybrid. There's Savage Smash, Orzov Guildgate, and Sunder Shaman. That's the red, red, green, green, five, five, can't be blocked by more than one creature. All in the
1: same pack here. That's a little vomit inducing. There's also two Burning Tree Vandals which like is not a card you would take this early, but it's a card that goes well in a Gruul deck. Yeah, I feel like usually we're like, you don't need to worry about the signals you're sending, but it's hard to like talk myself into taking a card like Soraform Hybrid, which would be my choice here, and then pass like a bunch of Gruul cards because that feels like I'm basically then only going to be able to play Hybrid in a Simic deck, you know?
0: Unless you cut Gruul like really hard, but
1: even then some people might not move off of it. Right. The, it's just I don't really want to be drafting, even if I can whittle it down to one other person at the table who's Gruul, I don't really want to be competing for those like linear aggro decks with someone else at the table. Right. I think if I were not taking Guildgate, I'd be on Sunder Shaman here. I think the
0: upside on that card out of Gruul is pretty huge, but I, I could see Soraform Hybrid being a better card than that now. I, that's a tough pick, but I, I ultimately I just couldn't decide which one of those cards I wanted, and I do really want to be es- or Esper or Orzov, and I don't really want to be Gruul, so I ended up taking the Guildgate
1: here. I don't know if that was right or not. It seems a little early to me. I mean, you really want to be able to play Mortify, so I can definitely see, like, well, if Taking the gate here allows you to be Azorius Splash Mortify or Rakdos Splash Mortify. I think that's pretty good. I think I would have landed on Cult Guildmage, like try to avoid the red-green stuff and take the Guildmage here, because I really like that in a Rakdos deck, but I don't know. I don't know what the correct pick is. Oh, interesting. There was no consideration to Cult Guildmage for me here. Really? Hmm. I think Guildmage Wheel of Burning Tree Vandal is a very like possible line here, because you're not really passing a Rakdos signal. And I think Cult Guildmage is good. But do you really want to be abandoning
0: Mortify this early for a
1: card like Cult Guildmage? I guess I am i don't feel like I'm abandoning it.
0: If you're going into Rakdos, you'll still have the opportunity to like splash it. I can still it. splash it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, fast-forwarding, because I think there's a couple more interesting picks here. So I took I took Orzhov Guildgate. So we've got Mortify, Orzhov Guildgate. Pick three, you snap up a final payment. And then pick four, you're faced with the decision of Simic Guildgate... Senate Griffin, Concordia Pegasus, that's the 1-3 flyer. Senate Griffin's the 2 hybrid Azorius-Azorius mana for the 3-2 flyer scry one. And Frilled Mystic, the blue-blue-green-green 3-2 green, flash when an ETB's counter target spell.
1: This is not actually that hard for me now, but I wonder where I would have been at a week ago when I was sort of lower on the CCDD cards and sort of lower on Simic in general but right now I think Frilled Mystic is just the most powerful card in this pack. And there's nothing that feels like irreplaceable in, you know, the other colors that we've decided we're in, which is Orzov. Like if you're if you are Orzov, if Orzov is what you're supposed to be doing and you miss out on a Senate Griffin, you're not going to be really missing out on it because you'll get other things down the line. If Simic is what you're supposed to be doing and you pass Frilled Mystic, you're done. Yep, I agree. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Where are you at on Senate Griffin versus Syndicate Messenger? The Two three flyer with Afterlife one. I kind of like Senate Griffin better, but it's a little harder to cast. I like Syndicate Messenger a lot better. Interesting. I don't really like Senate Griffin. I, I feel like most of my white decks like blocking. Well, but I feel like Senate Griffin blocks cards like Chillbringer and Orzov Thrall a lot better. Yeah, I guess it matches up against those fine, but I'm not. I don't know. I feel like I'm able to like line up i guess double blocks are kind of poopy and this can attack through those maybe maybe i'm undervaluing it uh in that sense but i have not been super excited by senate griffin maybe it's all the high alerts i've been drafting maybe it is (laughs) so i think it's really interesting one to just look at all of those back to back to back but also that like we're going we're talking about like pack one pick two and there's like three options and I don't know what's right you know when we look at like cult guild mage versus hybrid versus Sunder shaman versus guild gate I don't know what's right yet I think there's still a lot of exploring this format before I feel confident in those kinds of decisions right and also worth noting that like as you get more
0: cards in your pile we we saw card values shift pretty drastically here just based on one or two cards you had after you have eight picks the card values shift even more drastically
1: even more drastically based on what you've already picked. Yeah, absolutely. Because you are now looking for specific pieces, you know, like things that might be good, but you already have two copies of those go down in value as you are searching for, you know, as we talked about last week, filling out that toolbox, like checking off, like, do I have the finishers? Do I have the early plays? Do I have the card draw? Do I have the removal? Do I have my critical mass of two drops if I'm in an aggro deck? All that stuff, I think, becomes more important as you are building your deck. Like once you find that lane or feel like you found that lane, then filling in those blank spaces becomes more important. Ah, I want to go draft right now. Well, you're in luck. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that feels like a great
0: place to wrap it up. But before we do, we got to run down the official Aravnica Allegiance treasure hunt. pew, pew, pew! Pew! Alright, here it is. Number
1: one, to infinity and beyond, create eight or more tokens off of Mirror March. Number two, let's get Amplified up. Make a sixteen sixteen Amplifier by revealing Gate Colossus. Number three, slow and steady wins the race. Win off of a Simic Ascendancy 20 counter trigger. Number four, Crater Dute 2.0, win the game, the turn you cast, and end raise Forerunners number
0: five build your own plague wind several ways to do this dagger caster plus blade brand pestilent spirit plus a flames of the raised trigger or kaya's wrath plus
1: unbreakable formation all accepted number six puppet master cast mass manipulation for x equals four number seven master of the gates cast gate colossus for zero Number eight, the coast is clear. Cast clear the mind with zero cards in your library and another clear the mind in your graveyard.
0: Big booty. Number nine, attack your opponent for 20 damage using high
1: alert plus tower defense. Number 10, with one powers combined, deal five damage with cavalcade of calamity triggers in one turn.
0: Number 11, Wuburg wins. Win the game with a gate from each guild on the
1: battlefield. Number 12, Revenge is a dish best served with 50 life. Get your life total over 100. Number 13, Circle of Trust. Tap three creatures with Verity Circle in the same turn. Ooh, Wilderness Reclamation is going to help that out for sure. Number 14, Persistence Pays Off. Win the game via decking your opponent by tapping four Advisors using the Persistent Petitioner's ability. Number 15, Hark the Herald Angels Swing. Give a creature plus
0: eight plus eight from an angelic exaltation trigger.
1: All right, so we're going to be doing things a little differently with the Lords of Limited achievement list treasure hunt this time around. We're not tying it to the 15-hour stream. This is just sort of a bonus for the community. We really enjoy sending this out. We really enjoy getting screenshots on Twitter or through Discord or through our email address. So please continue to cross these off and send them our way. We're just not tying it to the 15-hour stream or or tracking it in any way. Just throwing this out there for folks who want a little bit of extra something-something to do with their drafts
0: yeah if you're just winning too much and you need to light some tickets on fire and you want some sweet <laughs> screenshots some twitter value get at us yeah we're here for you for sure eventually our master plan is to take over arena with these achievements but that's that's a little bit down the road i think
1: yeah yeah all right thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give that a listen. You can check us out on Twitch and Twitter. We are streaming up a storm these days. I am at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. We are both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can, of course, tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited.
0: If you've got any feedback about the show, any questions, some of those RNA treasure hunt screenshots you want to shoot at us email lordsoflimited
1: at gmail.com you can check out some additional lords of limited content we have our third showdown video available to you we uh, drafted some ravnica allegiance you got a lot of smack talk and strategy all rolled into one sweet youtube video check that out over at our youtube channel thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later especially when I have something like gate Colossus, I feel like just trying to maximize that out of the gate is better than taking what is, you know, the best white common pun
0: intended, pun intended, oh, Pun intended. No, not intended. How,
1: <laughs> how awkward, uh,